Hey everybody, welcome to first episode of season three. I really think this is the best episode that we've had so far in, in, in the podcast. Um, in tonight's episode, we, Alex and I break down uh, the first form of Wing Chun, uh, Silim Tao form, into all the major components of each section of the form and we examine the best ways of looking at it. It's kind of like the new form series that we have going on with the podcast where we're going to just discuss each of the Wing Chun forms in the first six podcasts. And then, at the end of the podcast, make sure you stick around because it would, the end of the podcast ends with Alex's new rap song. I kid you not, Alex has a rap song. Alex, the whitest motherfucker I know, has a rap song. And the podcast ends with it. So make sure after the podcast is over, you stick around and listen to Alex's Kung Fu Genius rap song. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode one of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Outstanding. How you doing, my friend? Really, really great. Now, you said episode one. This would be episode one of what season? Oh, right. Season three. Can you actually mean, can you believe we actually made it to season three? Yeah, I can't believe it. With all the threats of cancellation, we we still made it through, (laughs) man. With all the politics to get this approved by the network, they still let us do another season. Amazing. I I am shocked. I tell you, I I really feel like the podcast has grown uh, in size and in... Um, and importance in some people's lives. It's really growing up. It's it's uh, it's becoming really cool. We get tons of uh, feedback from people, and people are excited, and I'm excited too. Well, you know, it's amazing. It's in those those like in the last season, we had a little bit of, especially in the second half of the season, where we weren't as consistent with the episodes because we had scheduling conflicts and so on. And just to see how bent out of shape people oh, get yeah. when when Monday comes and there's no new dudes of Kung Fu <laughs> podcast, and then suddenly. I'm getting text messages. My students are going like, ah, Sivu, oh, did you guys do another podcast or whatever? I'm like, uh, we, we took another week off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have some rabid fans out there. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure people understand that, you know, you're busy, I'm busy, I have a job, and, you know, it, it happens. We have lives, you know, but... Um, and but, until we start getting paid for this thing like Joe Rogan gets paid for his, we are not true. always incentivized to make sure that one comes out every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to try and do better with that this year, this season. And um, I think we have a pretty good layout for this season, too. I think the uh, at least yeah. at least a little bit of planning that we actually do. <laughs> a little bit of planning, yeah. We, we, we decided, for those of you uh, who uh, may not have heard, in the last episode of the last season, we decided that we would take the first few episodes of this season and kind of uh, devote each episode to one topic. So uh, for today's episode, we're going to uh, discuss primarily the first form of Wing Chun, Siodimpao. And uh, we'll try to exhaust that topic as much as we can in the time we have. And then we'll do the second form and so on. And then eventually we'll go into topics that are not forms related. But uh, I think that this is a good format for us. What do you think? I am. I'm really excited about it. I was thinking like if we can do a, uh, I'd like to do obviously six episodes on the, on each individual form. Then I'd like to do an overall episode, maybe an episode on um, strategy and timing and things that are a little more esoteric than just, uh, hey, what does this form mean kind of thing. Sure. And then, of course, we, we want to delve deep in the second half of the season on uh, Jeet Kune Do. On um, what's important in Jeet Kune Do, what's, I should say, what's, what's important to, to us. 
And um, making sure you have the right yellow tracksuit in the proper size when you practice. Okay, well, first of all, if they'd make the fucking thing of my size, I would look <laughs> epic in it. Oh my god, I would love to see you in the yellow tracksuit, and then I would not be at all ashamed to go out with you and that. I'm like, what? <laughs> say something to him, and he'll kick <laughs> the crap out of you. <laughs> Man, me in the yellow tracksuit, and oh, dude, and then I'd have to get the yellow nunchucks also. That's right. That's right. Oh, speaking of tracksuits and Bruce Lee memorabilia and all sorts of nonsense, for those of you who are watching the podcast on the YouTubes, I have Angela Mao and Bruce Lee and Bob Wall and Chuck Norris signed by Angela Mao herself. And this is about the only piece of Bruce Lee memorabilia I have. Except for that green hornet picture I have in the background. So uh, I'm not one of these dudes who collects a lot of things, so I don't want you guys to get the wrong idea, but uh, I do... uh, do occasionally geek out when I meet some of these old school people, and it's just really cool to have a chance to uh, talk to them and hear their stories about Bruce Lee and so on. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, listen, I geek. Everybody geeks out about different things. You geek out about whatever you geek out about. I geek out about like Sherlock Holmes things, you know. Well, what, like, what was the thing you were watching the other day? We, 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 you were watching, so you posted something on Facebook. You were watching some TV show, and I said your man card is revoked. Oh, I don't what was remember. It again? Um, <laughs> maybe this is us. That's another. That's a girl. That's a that's a girly show. That I, although that makes although me cry. This uh, I did one episode of This Is Us actually referenced my good friend Ron Van Cleef. I don't know if you saw that episode. Um, uh, yes, I did. Dean, he goes into yeah. the dojo and he's like, "You yeah. can be like Ron Van Cleef." And Ron Van Cleef is one of my good friends, and even he apparently didn't really know that that was airing that night. It was a big surprise to him too. So that's cool. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it's actually a really good show. I mean, it's it has a good show. You know, it's uh, I, I enjoy it. I and uh, I don't care. Revoke my fucking man card. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have that meme. It says man card revoked, and I always like I always put that on your comments whenever you say something, right? Um, actually, a funny bit of news, also in the so-called entertainment world. So for those of you who remember my little spat in the Hong Kong media uh, last year with my former teacher, Sifu Lang Ting, a, a hip-hop artist named Kess the MC, decided to make a rap song about me. <laughs> and guess what? It's called Kung Fu Genius. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and it's like a really kind of tongue-in-cheek hip-hop song about... Uh, basically about me and, and he raps it as if he's me so for those people ask some people ask if i'm the one who's rapping no i don't have any hip-hop or mc skills not in the least bit um but for those of you who are interested you can go to soundcloud which is an app on the phone or it's also a website you can go directly soundcloud.com and um type in kung fu genius there's two versions of it there's the full rap song and then there's an instrumental only version and it's done by uh, kess that's K-E-S-S, the MC, who's amazing. He's got an amazing hip-hop career. He's done a lot of other songs, too. He's absolutely fan- fantastic. I was really honored that he decided to do a rap song about me, and we'll eventually make some music video for it. And then uh, hopefully if our um, Dudes of Kung Fu technical support uh, is up to the task, we might even be able to play the song for you at the end of this episode. Uh, if we're not able to do that, we'll just put the speaker up to the microphone next week and do it 80 style <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> yeah. If there's, if there's any question in your mind, if Alex rapped this song, let me just, you know, put all that to bed right now. If yes. you took, if you took white bread and mayonnaise, that would be slightly like darker, darker. than fucking Alex. <laughs> Alex. Alex is the whitest guy you know. Yes, and so, like, I'm half Cuban too, which makes it all the more embarrassing. 
And uh, one other thing too, I was interviewed for another um, another Wing Chun podcast. So, which is great to hear that there are more uh, podcasts. I believe I think there's also another Jeet Kundo podcast out there. There's Bruce Lee podcast, um, and um, there's another Wing Chun podcast on the website. It's called Addicted to Wing Chun. The two is like the number two, so it's Addicted to Wing Chun, spelled C H U N. And if you go to that website, I don't think my episode is up. I think if you're a member to their website, they already have it up. Like the members get to preview them early, but it should come up, I think, in the next week or two. And they did, he, uh, the guy uh, Bogdan, he's the guy who runs it. Uh, so, if, if, I believe he's from the Gary Lamb Wing Chun lineage, and he's got a great website and he's got lots of videos and stuff like that. And um, Lots of cool motivational stuff, too. Really great website. Um, I had a really good time being interviewed with him. I plugged the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, like the corporate horror that I am. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that'll get us like three more viewers or three more listeners. And uh, so, yeah, when that comes out, check it out. Addicted to Wing Chun. Um, and, uh, yeah, listen to it. So um, thanks again to Bogdan for having me on. That was really cool. Yeah, there's some really cool uh, podcasts out there, folks. Now, I know a lot of you are super loyal to us, and we appreciate that. But there are, like, you know, this. both Alex and I are listening to podcasts. Um, I'm a big fan, big buyer of the UFC Unfiltered with uh, Jim Norton and... Um, and whatever the fuck the Matt Sarah. and Matt Sarah, which is a great podcast. And um, there's a there's a podcast um, that just started. I I listened to a couple of them called the Empty Cup Podcast by uh, a buddy of mine who started doing it. It's a G Kundo podcast. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure he's going to ask me on there soon enough. He better. I'm going to kick his ass. But <laughs> he um he he's doing well with it. So you know. Podcasts are awesome, and you should not just listen to us. Listen to them all. Really get into the habit of listening to podcasts because you really, it's a it's an unfiltered look at the world. You know, it's 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 good it's good stuff. Yeah, and you feel it's it's kind of your chance. Like, from I'm a huge fan of the Joe Rogan podcast. I listen to most of the episodes. Um, he just did a great one with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and um, he did one with Dominic Cruz yesterday, which I just started listening. Really great. Like I don't, I listen to the ones he does with like Bill Burr and the comedians, and and I listen to the ones he does with like scientists and all sorts of crazy people, not just the ones with fighters. And what's great about that is the podcast format is really amazing because you really feel that you're kind of sitting at the dinner table with these people, having the, a normal conversation that you would have. Like if you met a celebrity or you met Joe Rogan on the street, you would like maybe go up to him and say hi, maybe grab a photo and that would be it. But it's kind of your chance to feel like you're actually sitting and having a conversation. And that's the cool thing about the podcast format. And I think why Sean and I gravitate to it so well, because this is kind of what we were doing before we had the podcast. We were, we just kind of like would go over and eat and talk shop. And this is like what we did. And we just decided to just put it on the air for other people to listen who might be interested, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, 16,000 people later, 16,000 downloads later, we're, uh, that's right. That's right. We are being, we're being stalked in the streets. I have to change my <laughs> Skype handle, all sorts of things. <laughs> cool. So uh, shall we start? Shall we start tackling our um, magnificent topic of the Siwnam Tao form? Yeah. Why don't you um, read out what the uh, topics will be, and uh, yeah. we'll uh, we'll just yeah, take sure. it from there. Yeah. So we decided that rather just than go completely unguided, because both Sean and I have the uh, <laughs> let's say the <laughs> habit of perhaps just kind of going on and on into a tear, and if there's not someone there to kind of grab us by the foot and pull us down to earth, we will just keep going, going, going. So we decided to so much structure. 
the topic of Siunam Tao into kind of four or five subtopics. So the, um, the, the first topic we're going to talk about, and I'll, I'll go over them again before we talk about them, is like we'll talk about how important the form is in general, where it fits in the progression. I mean, we all know that it's the first form, but different schools of Wing Chun may um, have different value for the Siunam Tao form. The second question, we're going to talk about how we, um, how we break down the Siunam Tao form by sets and what's important set by set. Um, third one, we're going to talk about what does the Siunam Tao mean, particularly the name, because there's a lot of... Uh, kind of uh, different ways that the name can be interpreted. And then the final part of it, we're going to talk about um, how the Siunam Tao um, changes as you progress as a Wing Chun uh, practitioner and also how the Siunam Tao itself, like choreography-wise, may have changed over time from instructor to instructor. So this is kind of the outline of what we're going to discuss tonight. So um, I guess the first topic is where does the, the first form sit in the progression? How important is it? What kind of value does the Siunam Tao have for the overall progression as, as you understand it, Sean? Well, be- before I even uh, talk on specifics, I just want to get one thing out of the way real quick. Although I am a student in the Moyat lineage, I want to make it clear that anything I say, I am not speaking for the Moyat lineage. I'm speaking for the way Sean Madigan does it and teaches it, okay? So, you know, everybody has their own take on things. And unfortunately, like I've said things on the podcast uh, about uh, Wing Chun. And I've had people send me messages saying, oh, I didn't realize the Moyao lineage did things that way or did that or had an importance on that. And I do never want to make the mistake of letting people think that I speak for a lineage. I speak for me and me alone. Although I absolutely love the Moyao lineage because it's the best one. Anyway, <laughs> um, okay, so to your question. Uh, what 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 importance does um, Sunan Tao place in in my teachings? And I feel I, I like to stress that um, Sunan Tao teaches us the fundamentals. I, I and I use that word uh, on purpose instead of saying basics. I the fundamental aspects of the art. I feel that the founders of the art took. The most important information and put it in the first form. I kind of I I tend to look at it like when you look at Silum Tao. Not that you learn the whole art from Silum Tao, but you you get your first introduction to some really really important aspects of the the, the system. You know, to sit there. I know some people look at. Um, Sunam Tao and say, oh, it's just the basics or it's just the first form. Let me get to the one where I get to move around a little bit. And, and I get all that. But, you know, when you look at Wing Chun and you say, okay, well, what's important in Wing Chun? What's, what's the important aspect? And you talk about structure and balance and facing and, and center line and things to that effect. That's all in, in Sunam Tao. You know, that's where the important, in my opinion, the important lessons are. And I kind of feel like they, they put it, they put like the most important lessons in the first section of the first form. And and I, I just, so I look at it of uh, vital importance, and I've been known to call it the perfect form, although I, I know that annoys people. I refer to Sinan Tao as the perfect form, because in my opinion, I just, it's perfect. It's like, you know, it's like Ed Sheeran. He's perfect. It's just, you know. <laughs> Is that some kind of sport reference? No, it's actually a, uh, a young rock star that my my cousin's daughter, who's adorable, she's like 16, I had mentioned Ed Sheeran one day, and she just looked at me and she said, he's perfect. And it was <laughs> the absolutely love in her eyes. And I said, that's how I feel about Sinatow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, well, well, I totally agree with you. I mean, that you basically pretty much said everything that I could say as far as that goes. You know, one of the things, um, you know, I guess to kind of reinforce one of the, the things that you mentioned is that some people look at it as, oh, it's just a basic form. And uh, you, you have this kind of buffet line look way of looking at Wing Chun now because everyone can go on YouTube and quickly satisfy their need to look at Siunam Tao Chum Kyubuji and then some cobbled together version of the wooden dummy or something like that. And then they go like, oh, I already taught myself the Siunam Tao can I just do the Chum form? Like you literally I've had people come in off the street and they're like, oh, I don't need to start. I already taught myself the Siunam Tao from from some video and sometimes they even say that they taught themselves a Siunam Tao form from my video like the Howcast series oh my God. and I'm just like I'm just like wow that's unbelievable um, you, you know it's like well in addition to learning the form you also have to understand the meaning behind it why we do the movements how we train it how it's performed what to look for all these kind of things and none of these things you can get from from video and, and you know unfortunately uh, you know a lot of people think that because Wing Chun is a style that can you can learn how to fight with it relatively quickly, that that means that you can master the system really quick. And there's a difference between being competent in defending yourself or warding off an attacker on the street and having true mastery of a Kung Fu form. I mean, these are two completely different things. And the Siunam Tao form is absolutely the most important piece in the whole puzzle. It's not the only piece. But it's the most important because it is the foundation by which everything else is built. If the Siunam Tao is shoddy, if the Siunam Tao is lacking in, in depth and structure, then, you know, as, as I say, if the, if the Siunam Tao form is not good, then the, the flower will never bloom, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Now, of course, and we'll get into this topic a little bit later, get deeper and, and, and more developed as the student progresses. So when you learn Chumkyu, your understanding of Siunam Tao is going to deepen when you learn Buji and so on and so forth. And we'll get to that topic a little bit later. So it's not to say that the Siunam Tao is completely understood by the time somebody goes to Chumkyu. That would be completely irrational and impossible, quite frankly. Right. Um, but there needs to be a certain base foundation and goes on to the next form um, in order to keep the system um, moving in, in, in the kind of way that we wanted to. And I wish... When I started learning Chum Q, the first thing I thought was, man, I wish I spent more time doing Siunam Tao. And I also felt that I had not practiced the Siunam Tao form enough um, when I started learning Chum Q. So, um, you know, I guess the advice to the kiddies is when your instructor tells you you need to practice the Siunam Tao form more, um, to take that advice and to just do it and not be so eager to go out and learn the next thing. Because oftentimes what ends up happening is they have to correct mistakes that would have been understood had the student just taken more time in the Siunam Tao prog- part of the progression. I love that you use the analogy like the foundation. If you look at building a building, the foundation is the most important thing. And Siunam Tao is the foundation of Wing Chun. Absolutely. And, and, and if you have a weak uh, foundation, you have a weak system. I don't care how good your Luke Ten Pung Guan is if, you're, if, you're, if your Siunam Tao sucks. Yes. So uh, yes. that was a great analogy. Thank you. Did, did I tell you about the meme? Oh, no, maybe I didn't mention this, but there was there was a meme that was going around in the Wing Chun world a couple of years ago. And what a lot of people don't know is I was actually the one who made it. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't take any credit for it because I just I just pushed it out there because, of course, there's this thing like, oh, you can, Wing Chun is just a minor system that you can master in four or five months. It's like, well, in four or five months, you might be able to chain punch somebody who's not very good. But in terms of actually mastering the system, no way. And of course, what this does is it totally 
totally undercuts. Like, it's like, do you think Grandmaster Yip Man, the guy that you revere because you see him in movies, do you think he really le- only learned Wing Chun for six months? Right, right. You know what I mean? And he's the guy that you actually give a crap about. So there was that, you know, that famous photo of Yip Man where he's at home in the shorts, smoking the cigarette, reading the newspaper. Right. Sure, sure, sure. And and so I made a meme and it said, oh, so you mastered Wing Chun in six months? And with a question mark, and then it says, yeah, I'm sure they'll be making movies about you. I remember, <laughs> I remember that meme. That's <laughs> and that awesome. was me. I made that. <laughs> really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, because it was just like this kind of ridiculous idea that it's like, you know, the people who are legendary are the people who really practiced and did something. And you think just because you read in a book that Wing Chun is a simple style, that somehow you can master it in, in the equivalent of a Rocky montage and just go on to the next thing from there is totally ridiculous. That's funny. And just because you mentioned that picture of um, Yip Man, there's something popped into my head that I wanted to share really quick. Um, my Sifu, Tom Kagan, told me a story that one time he had uh, saw, a, I guess it's a pretty famous picture now, of, of Moyat with the Bacham Dao, with, yes. with, with the knives. Where he's, wearing, where he's wearing the undershirt and the shorts? And the shorts. Yes. So um, he had said to Moyat, do you have a better like a uh, picture? Do you have because Tom had just seen something like online, and he asked, you know, do you have like a higher resolution of this? I want to get it blown up, and you know, have I guess we got sign it and hang it and yeah. And Mo- he says, well, I looked at him and says, "You want a picture of me in my underwear?" <laughs> 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 and you want to like blow it up and hang it on your wall? <laughs> <laughs> And Tom was like, oh, you're in your underwear? He was like, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> yeah, those are basically uh, what a lot of people don't understand what, what Sivu Moyat was wearing in that photo. And also what Grandmaster Yip Man is wearing in that other photo are, are what the Chinese would term as house clothes. That's like what you wear at home. Right. And so it's kind of the equivalent of not really your underwear, but more kind of like what you just wear at home. But you would never go outside wearing it, right? right. And, and also people forget how damn hot it is in Hong Kong, and especially in those days, they weren't always running the AC. In fact, these days, a lot of Kung Fu schools are cheap and don't even want to run the AC. And so, uh, yeah, so it's hot, and you're you're there training in, like, your little short shorts and uh, right, right, right. tank top because you just don't want to die. As <laughs> That's really funny. That's a great story. I like yeah. that. Um, so I guess uh, then moving on to the, the second part is um, – how do you break the form down into parts or sets? And then what is the importance of the varying sets? Okay. Um, I break the form down into three sections. I know most, I think most lineages do that as well. Um, How I do it. So the first section is, um, I I have different things that I emphasize within each section. And uh, it's too much to go into on a podcast, but I'll go into like... You know, I guess like the bullet points, you know. So in the first section, uh, I, I tend to work on uh, balance and structure. Oh, and, and just so people know, um, what, what part of the So from what movement to what movement do you call the first section? So from the hoi sik, from the very opening to the hoi ma, which is the opening of the actual stance, up into the right before the gum sows. The gum sows start the second section. Okay. To be clear. Yes. And that, I think that, that's how most it, schools divide it. But just want to make sure for people who don't know. So so I look at the first section as um, balance and structure. Um, you, you, you learn, when I say structure, um, it's almost, almost, almost interchangeable with balance, but it's not. Um, 
when you're learning when you're learning how to open to me when you're learning how to open your stance the uh, hoi ma as I know it as um, when you're you kind of like you know you you stand with your feet together and you kind of open your toes and then open your heels and kind of like sink in to your stance it's you're you're taking on you're 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 you're, you're taking on a balance a balance structure and um, and one day we'll talk about I call it the fluke style of stances but that that annoys a lot of freaking people and <laughs> and and so we have you have this idea of balance and structure um, the the theory of facing Doyang your this idea goes so once we in, at least in how I do Silum uh, Dao Dao is you open up when you bring your hands up to like a triangle in front of you retract your arms punch comes to center and comes out and it and in that there you're 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 setting up this center line this uh, center line fence is what i call it from your um core to your opponent's core and there's that that line that goes from one to the other and that's like the center line fence and i and i and i look at that first set of punches in the in the form as defining that um, I believe the first section, the part where you come um, with the Tan Sao and then Wu Sao and Fu Sao, that, that section there, you're uh, learning everything from Loi Lao, Hui Sung, Lat Sao, Jik Chung, to the idea of how to um, build and manipulate energy if that's your bag. Um, and also, I like to emphasize the importance of Fu Sao in that section because it's... Um, it's, in my opinion, something that really you know need, needs to be uh, understood in order to understand uh, Wing Chun. Sure. The, sec- the second section, which I look at, is uh, starting with the Gong Sao section. Um, and where does it end? Whenever you want it to, babe. <laughs> it, 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 after what is referred to, I guess, is uh, Ding Ding Sao. I don't know. If that's uh-huh. what I. Refer- well, we call it we call it Taisa, but there's a number of names you could give it. Right, the, the, with, uh, up to the movement that looks like it's completely worthless. That's <laughs> that's the one that it, I should say looks like it's completely worthless. Um, that section there, I, I call it the te- testing your structure section. Okay, so the first section deals with ensuring you have good structure. The second section teaches you to test your structure. Control the dispersion of energy. It's it's very um, in the way I do it. The second section, the it, it, there's energy flying in all different directions, and your if your structure's not sound, you're gonna rock back and forth. You're 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 not gonna be structured and balanced. So the second section, although there are many other lessons, I feel like the, one of the most vital lessons is to make sure that you can maintain structure while being high high energy. And the third section I look at is now you're getting to more of the development of fine motor skills, um, where we emphasize, um, rather than positions, we emphasize transitions. So many people like tend to emphasize the bong sao position, and the wrist has to be uh, half an inch lower than the elbow, which has to be an inch lower than the shoulder. There's these like, precise positions, and I kind of feel like the magic happens in the transition from position to position rather than in the posing of a position. And I spend a lot of time on how to look at the transitions and how to emphasize um, where the glory is in, in these transitions as opposed to the posed positions. And um, 
And then we get to my favorite part, is the, um, what I refer to as uh, Tutsau. I'm not sure how what they call it in your lineage. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, the wiping of the hands. Yes. You know, I um, I look at that section again. It, it's very important to me. Um, it's my favorite section of uh, Sunan Tao, and um, I look at it like clearing the line to center. A grappler may say, you know, position before submission. I look at that section as clearing the line to center before I attack. And, and it ends with the attack. And, um, and, and I'm not a, not, I'm not going to say I'm not a big proponent of chain punching. I think um, it's, it's not just chain punching at the end. It's, they have to be structured punches and not just sit there and just, just throw out a thousand battle punches. No one gives a shit. You, some structured punches. And that's how I break it down with kind of like a, a glance at some of the things I emphasize within each section. Excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, um, you make a good point. So most of the Yip Man Wing Chun lineages divide the, the first form into three parts in exactly the way that you prescribed. Um, for some reason, the, the Long Ting system divides it into eight individual sets. Now, the way you, you divided the three parts, they, they work very well thematically. Like if you look at the, the first three, so basically, so the way we defined is every time we retract our hands back to this Saukin position, it's the end of a set. Okay. All right. So, so it's like the Tsunam Tao form has eight subsets. So the first part with the Tan and Gan, and then you retract, that's set one. The punch and then go back, that's set two. The Tan and the Fuk and the Wu, that's set three. Gum Sao is set four. Um, the Sai Palm set five. Tan Sao set six. Bong Sao set seven. Tut Sao set eight. So that way um, we kind of teach it in, in individual chunks where we can focus on the movements there. But there, there definitely is something to say, but when you divide it into the, the, the three parts, which, you know, I have to say that's actually how most people do it. So in, in that case, Leung Ting is actually a bit of an anomaly. Um, but you do see those, those re- kind of themes, the way you broke it down when you divide it there. Like the first part, you have a lot of the, the structure and the the correcting the center line and the low elbow power and the low elbow force and all that kind of stuff. Fourth set is like long bridge power and going in different directions and keeping your body centered. And then the last part is like kind of almost a little bit more nitty gritty, the stuff you actually use in Chisau, right? Right. So you can see it divided into those kind of three main topics. And I think that there, there's definitely that that's probably the original way it was divided. The reason I like the eight sets is that it's easy for me to tell students, okay, we're going to focus on a movement from the fifth set of Siunam Tao. And they know exactly what part I'm talking about. So for, for teaching purposes, it, it can maybe be helpful to, to divide it up into those subsets. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the, the the emphasis and the importance is pretty much the same as what you said. So the you know the setting of the stance, the lowering of the weight, making sure that you have that kind of stance structure that we need to perform Wing Chun correctly. The first set defines the noon line and the center line, which are two different things in Long Ting Wing Chun. In most Wing Chun styles, the line that goes through you at the top all the way to the bottom, that kind of line of axis, that is that is the center line for most styles. For Long Ting Wing Chun, that's just what we call the noon line. And the center line actually comes out from our chest. So when we have our hands forward like this in the typical Baijong position, that is the center line for us going to our opponent. 
Um, okay. But the line going straight down, we call that the noon line, which is also extremely important. Um, we just don't term, term it as the center line. So you see that we're, we're defining all of these things in the first set, the center line, the noon line, all this kind of stuff. The second set as well. The third set focuses heavily on what we call Zhang uh, Dailek. means low elbow power, right? The power of the low elbow, right? Um, which is one of the hallmarks of Wing Chun and, and many of the other Southern Kung Fu styles. Um, the nickname, of course, of the third set and the Siyunam Tao in general is Sampai Fat. Sampai Fat means Sampai. to pray, pray to Buddha three times, right? Bit of a lie because um, Grandmaster Yip Man at some t- point changed it. You know that, right? <laughs> so the original one was like Yat Tan Lang Fuk Sampai Fat was the original um, was the original motto for it, which was one Tan, two Fuk Saos, three prayers to Buddha, which is the Wu Sao hand, right? right? So if you do Two fuxaos, then you've done the wusao hand three times, which and the wusao hand looks like a Buddhist prayer hand. Right, that's how we. It, that's how we do it. That's, yeah. that's exactly how we do it. Yeah, it doesn't mean that um, that Wing Chun is particularly a Buddhist style. That a lot of people say, see, they call it Sanbai Fat. That means it's a Buddhist style. No, that's actually just a nickname. Is the Chinese love right. to give nicknames to things, right? So, um, of course, at some point, Grandmaster Yip Man started doing three fuxaos, right. and when you do three fuxaos, you then have four wusao. But you can't say you're praying to Buddha four times because four is an unlucky number in Chinese, right? Four four is basically like their number 13, right? So even though at some point Grandmaster Yip Man was doing three Fuxiao, which meant he was doing four Wusiao, they still said, no, no, no. We're praying to Buddha three times, <laughs> so it's like it's like never. It's like never mind the man behind the curtain, right? It's like yes, yeah. There are only three. There are only three. Never mind. Never mind, right? So um, obviously, the third set, as we call the third set, has the heavy emphasis on the low elbow force. The um, fourth set, also like very much like what you said. The, uh, what we call the fourth set, you call the second part. Um, you have the arms going in different directions, which kind of uh, challenges your body to remain neutral, right? Exactly a lot of times right. when, when people do the, the gum cell in the back direction, you'll see their head will pop forward. Right. When they do the gum cell in the front, their body will lean like in the transitions, shoulders will rise instead of staying down. Um, so you have that kind of body structure thing that's being influenced. Um, all of the movements of the four set have practical applications in the way we teach it. We, a lot of the gum cell movements of the side are like uh, different ways of getting out of arm locks and things like that. But one of the main reasons for training, especially having the wrists at those 90 degree angles when we bring them down, is for tempering and training the tendons to be able to uh, apply what we call or long bridge force. Uh, long bridge force meaning when your arm is almost extended – and then punching in that last moment, which a lot of people call inch force, right? So uh, a lot of the gum cell movements in the Siyunam Tao have the beautiful side benefit of preparing your joints for long bridge force. The, um, the fifth set is pretty, what we call it the can opener in our school. It's a, we use it to, to counter jump. So it's not as conceptual as the other sets. Um, obviously, six set, you have tan and jump and lots of very important movements in T-cell, bong, and tan as well, and tutso. So the for me, the most fundamental ones are the first three sets, which you would call the first part. So it's like we actually agree on paper, although we have like different numbering systems or whatever, but I would actually break the three topics in three parts, even though we have eight sets. It's like three main themes. So I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, 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 you know, and folks, Alex and I have never actually sat down and broke down the forms like this. This is actually a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> yeah, 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 me too. Me too. I learn a lot from listening to you uh, um, tell me how they do it in the Moyat lineage. It's really interesting. 
And um, one thing I wanted to mention, just that, because uh, Alex talked about it for a quick second, when, um, actually two things, I learned from Steve Golden, who uh, is my Jeet Kune Do Sifu, and probably one of the best Wing Chun person people I've ever seen in my life. He, when I, I had once asked him about um, why is this done three times as opposed to one time, and things to that effect, and he said something so simple, and I was just like, like at least for me, I was like, oh, no, I didn't think of that, but it was just such a simple thing, you know. It's like he was he was saying like the founders were saying, hey, hey, schmucks, this part's important, pay attention, you know. Absolutely, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's like pay attention to this part because look, we're doing it three times. Not that there's any magical number or it can only be done three times. It's like if you're gonna do that part once, this should be three times more important. <laughs> and, you know what? That is. Absolutely correct. I'm so happy you brought up that point. Because if you look at it, the Sunum Tau form does not contain enough reps to be good at anything in the Sunum Tau form, right? So right. if you want to do Gansau and be really good at Gansau and chopping somebody's arm who gives you a low attack, you got to do it more than once as prescribed in the form, right? So the form is just a codification, a set list. Here are all the things you need to be good at. Right. And the things that are repeated often, Hun cell, fuk cell, wu cell, bong cell. Those are the things that the founders are telling you. These things that are repeated more often are the things that you need to focus on more. These are the more, let's say, high percentage techniques. And the things, for example, like in the chum cue, the slant kick is already only done on the left leg because the slant kick is the least applied of all the kicks in Wing Chun. The front kick is the most important, right? And then this odd angle slant kick that we have, if somebody attacks us from a weird angle, should very rarely happen. Therefore, they only even put it on one damn side. Right, right. You know what I mean? And so it works the other way. When you look at things like Tai Sao, like at the end of the fourth set, you said that weird movement, right? Right, right, right. Well, there's a reason that movement only makes one appearance in all of the Wing Chun forms, because it's one of the lower percentage techniques. Look at the wooden dummy form and look at the percentage of movements that repeat from Siunam Tao to wooden dummy. Jut Sao, Palm Strike, Bong Sao. It's all the same stuff. The, right, the, sure. the founders were trying to tell you, this is high percentage, this is low percentage, so that you can kind of rank it in terms of how much you need to spend time on what thing. Right. The other thing I want to mention, and this is going to be really hard over a podcast, so if you get a chance and if you're listening, if you can look at the YouTube video, I'm going to try and demonstrate it a little bit, but I find it to be very important for me, at least, okay? So when we do Hyun Sao, and when I say we, I mean the people that learned Sinem uh, Tao from Steve Golden, or how I learned from Steve Golden, was Alex spoke about inch power before, that, 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 that last little snap of the punch. When Steve taught me Hyun Sao, and I did this wrong for the longest time, it's the last motion is not the wrist moving over. The last motion of the Hyun Sao is the wrist driving forward to make that perfect line. So when you're throwing a punch and you kind of straighten out that lower part of your wrist to give it that snap up, that snap up is the last section of the Hyun Sao when you're right before Sao Kun. So when you're, when you're doing the Hyun Sao and your wrist comes forward as opposed to like some, some lineages in their uh, Buji, the wrist snaps back and forth. This is not that. This is the wrist as if you're throwing a punch and how the wrist kind of settles into that to that most structurally sound part. When you do Hyun Sao, try and just structure that in 
to get that little bit of inch punch structure power before Saucoon. And um, that was a beautiful thing. And I, it, it opened my eyes to inch power and the importance. And my Hyun Sao has never been the same since doing that. Awesome. It's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. No, that was really cool. It's a, it was an interesting detail. I like that. Um, our next topic. Ooh, we have uh, other topics. Awesome. We have other topics. And we're, dude, we're kicking ass. We have like we're fucking killing this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, can you, can you imagine? Like, we're actually doing really good keeping everything on time. And, you know, it's amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, the, the third subtopic, which was what does the name Siwunim Pao mean to you? What's your take on the. Uh, what you know? What the the Chinese word means and how that applies to Chun in general. Okay, so again, now I'm coming at this from being a fat kid from Brooklyn. What it means to me and what I learned, and um, this is a, a combination. I'm going to say a combination of what I learned from Steve Golden and and my Sifu Wing Chun, Tom Kagan. Okay, I look at a, at the word the words Sunim Tao. Is 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 there's a kind of like a progression of understanding of the phrase. So, without changing too much, I look at it like, and Alex, feel free to jump in and say, yeah, no, Sean, you know what? That's just fucking wrong. Because I got no problem with that. I would never, I would never dare say that. <laughs> okay, so I look at it as it's 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 a progression of four phases that I went through. Now, I'm not saying everybody's going to go through this. This is kind of like four phases that I went through while learning this system. And I take copious notes. And I can tell you, like, from you look at my beginning notes and to where my notes are now, you kind of say, like, oh, yeah, I see what you mean, how you learn. So I look at Sunan Tao, the little idea. All right? So it kind of stems from uh, the idea that stems from a simple or little ideas that you have to learn. The center line control, theory of facing, that Sunim Dao was just a progression of ideas. This was a very beginner thought process for me. You know, you have the little idea and you have these little ideas in the form. Okay, Sean, you're going to learn center line. You're going to learn Doyang. You're facing. You're going to learn, you know, these, these series of little ideas. And then, as you get, like, as you move move up in the art, I guess, or become a little bit more uh, advanced in the art, and probably still at Silim Tao level, but just, you're now doing it a while, you've been doing a lot of drills. Silim Tao, little idea, could mean a little thought. So, it's like kind of telling you, hey, you know what? What you're learning here, that, that series of little ideas, now require a little thought, as opposed to idea, like that character can be thought, you know. Think about what you're learning. You know, don't just sit there and repeat it by rote. Think about what you're doing. And then from there, I was kind of like, Silim Dao, think of, of like, break down what you're doing into these little tiny sections. Again, I don't know like how to say it right in Chinese or, quite frankly, even English. But you want to just like break down what you're doing and don't look at the grand picture. Focus on little things. If you get the little things right in the form, like I'm saying how the wrist, that's where this came from. This idea of the wrist just going forward as opposed to breaking the elbow line. The, the concentrate on that little tiny little thought process the, the the big picture will kind of take for take care of itself, 
And lastly, it's Sulam Dao, little idea or little thinking, or like it requires very little thought in combat. So once you move up in your progression in Wing Chun, that there should be less thinking going on and more action. More, your hand flies forward. You know, right? So it's, it's, it's less of, oh, okay, if I'm doing Chi Sao with Alex and I'm not going to, and I'm, I'm sitting here saying, so if I do this, he's going to do that and then I'm going to punch him. That's like a beginner way of thinking of it that at some point I want little thought or no thought. Um, just the hand kind of flew forward when it needed to. And that, that's how I look at this idea of this progression of that phrase, uh, soon and down. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that, that's, that's good. I like that. That's great. Um, what's well, then, then I'm going to copyright that shit. Anybody repeats it, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Including with the sirens in the background. <laughs> yeah, listen, it is Staten that's Island, how, bro. <laughs> that, that's how people know that we're, we're here in New York. By the way, if you hear any... Uh, loud noises or banging or whatever. Some of my students are upstairs preparing for a, uh, a high-level examination, so there may be some people crashing to the floor at any time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so in, in Cantonese, uh, literally means like a little idea. And Tao, in this case, normally the, the character Tao actually means head. But in this, um, in this instance, it actually can mean first. So it's like your first little idea. Um, okay. What's interesting is, according to people like Jim Rosalando, who we've had on the podcast before, and a lot of research that's kind of coming out of China these days, that the original name for the first form was Xiu Lin, Lin with an N at the end instead of an M, Lin Tao, Lin Tao hmm. Mi. And the funny thing is, if that is the original name for it, it's actually a lot less philosophical than the one we have, <laughs> because right. it literally it literally means first little training. Okay, so like, like the thing you train first, right. right? So I've always wondered in like, you know, sometimes people will ascribe meaning to things that might kind of be meaningless. And I always wonder if the original idea wasn't just like, this is a thing you train first. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then somebody at some point changed the character from training to idea because they sound similar and then suddenly we have to come up with all of these very highfalutin, fancy justifications why the name of our first form means little idea, and the idea is actually this, and da, 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 da. when the founders may have been a lot more pragmatic and they were like, train this first. <laughs> right? So um, I wondered about that. You know what I mean? Are we ex- essentially doing an exercise in futility when the original... Uh, name of it might have been something a lot more simple and a lot less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are we just, you know, are we just kind of standing here, like in our underwear, you know, pontificating about things no one gives a shit about, right? So, um, you know, and and but that's an interesting thought experiment, right? Because the uh, according- you broke up there for a second, but so I'm going to jump oh, in here. Hopefully, uh, your microphone will catch up to you. Um, I don't what about mean to now? cut Can you, you hear me? off, but. Now I can hear you. Yeah, talk. Okay, I'm great. sorry. Where did I where did I cut off? You you just said that um you were just you saying like paying, you know, were like, you even paying attention well, to me. <laughs> what if we're overthinking like, this? What if we're around and trying to figure out this esoteric stuff? Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we may just be You know what? You're breaking up again, so 
that's let's pull, uh, that let's pause for a moment. breaking up a little bit there, buddy. All right, hold on. Let's pause a moment. Yeah, let's pause a second. You know, do, I'm going to talk for a couple seconds. And, we, can also um, do, we can also do an edit there. We'll, uh, we'll, let, we'll, we'll see what happens when you jump back in. So real quick, I want to talk about um, a thing I heard about. Um, Moyat actually created his own beginner form. It was uh, a form just to introduce Wing Chun to uh, new people coming in. Really? He called it, yeah. Um, it's uh, and it's it's very it sounds very close to Silim Dao. It's Silim Do, uh-huh. the way of Sunim. But oh, um, and uh, it it kind of deals with it. Kind of looks a little bit like a like a like a combination of all the forms a little bit. Uh huh. And um, so yeah, and he you know he kind of put it together and and then it never went anywhere. He taught. He taught like his first generation of guys it, and then basically they all kind of said like, "Nah, you know what? This is crazy. We're not gonna do it." Wow, but, how, how untraditional. Yeah, you know, um, it's not very long. It's pretty quick. It's um, it's like uh, I can show it to you the next time we're together. It's, sure. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool that he just kind of you know created this little right. Little so thing. if if the original name of the form was something simple then we all might be just creating a bunch of nonsense about what little idea means and that the founders don't, didn't, crap, didn't give a crap about that, right? Um, obviously, there's some ways we can look at it that make sense. A little idea means to just focus on one thing at a time rather than to have lots of complicated ideas. So when people think about what do I need this movement for and then what happens if he does this and then this and then this, those are big ideas, and the Siunam Tao form, at least according to this definition, is trying to keep us focused on one thing at a time, which is one of the best ways to learn anything. Right. So that generally tends to be the way that I kind of uh, teach it in terms of focusing just on one thing at a time and not getting a lot of big idea applications stuck in your head and just to kind of focus on one thing at a time, not just in the form, but in your training in general. Yeah, no, it's... Um... When it comes to overthinking, um, one of the first things that uh, my Sifu had said to me, Tom Kagan had said to me, when he saw my notes, he had said, um, Moyat had warned against turning Wing Chun into Tai Chi. <laughs> I think I know what you mean by that, but go ahead and let people know what you, what he might have meant by that. That people overthink things to the point where they don't make it function, it's no longer functional. Right. That they, they, they take the most basic motion in uh, the system and just so overthink it and overcomplicate a simple thing that it's no longer functional. Sure. You know, and, and, and you know, you find that in Jeet Kune Do all the time. I've, I've literally seen people argue over the Jeet Kune Do Baijang or ready stance as whether the lead foot should be at a 45 degree angle, a 30 degree angle, a 90 degree angle. Should it be facing to your opponent's center line, office center? Like, and it's, it's, it's beyond ridiculous because you know if you're moving around in a fight, you're not concentrating on the precise angle of your lead foot. Right, it's just, right, right. It's just There's no or, fixed position. Right, there's no fixed position. I mean, you know, Bruce Lee himself called it a small, fastic, um, bent knees, bent, bent knee stance. I mean, it's yep. just, you know, it's, uh, it, was, it was always moving, and it's yeah. uh, moving for reasons. And the, the other thing I thought was actually, I run into all the time, and you can know, especially with the Kali people, they will fucking kill each other over the proper length of a stick. 
Oh, it's got to be 28 inches. No, it's got to be 30 inches. No, no, no. My guru has it 27 and a half inches. But they'll right. all tell you they learn the stick so that they can pick up anything, including a spatula, and make a weapon out of it. As long as but, it's 27 and a half inches. That's exactly right. Now, I don't know how they measure that. But, um, <laughs> but like, you know, so people like concentrate on the littlest things. And, yes. and, uh, and, and my Sifu had said that, you know, that Moya warned his people about. You know, overthinking things and making totally makes Wing Chun into Tai Chi. Absolutely, no, I totally agree with that. You, that's one hundred percent spot on. Um, our final topic Ooh. for Sunim Tao um, is kind of kind of a not really a two parter, but kind of like uh, maybe has. Uh, it's a lightning round. <laughs> it's a lightning round, right? Okay, the daily double, right? So uh, one is how the Sunum Tao form may change as the student progresses through the various phases of Wing Chun. And then also kind of a subtopic to that is how the choreography of the Sunum Tao form may have changed uh, over the course of time, either in your own teaching or your teacher's teaching or teacher's teaching, however you want to go into that. So, Okay, so I'm going to leave this mostly for Alex because uh, I think he can speak more elegantly about it than I can. Doubtful. But... Um... Oh, this word eloquent. I can't even say the word fucking right. I'm just so dumb. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so I just I've been punched in the head way too many times over the years. I'm just so fucking dumb. Anyway, so yeah, so I think I, I've experienced that like as I after experiencing Chumku for the for the first year or two, I noticed I was thinking differently when doing Sunantau the bong sows in Silomtau. And I was thinking of Chamkyu, the different ways you do bong sow while doing Sunimtau. The energies, when I say the different ways, structurally they're the same. It's just the energies involved, energies, and it, oh God, man, I'm fucking tired. Energies involved in, in how you do them. And the idea of um, forward pressure and energies and and and, and snap and and um, uh, Alex, help me here. The, uh, the burst of energy at the end of the punch. Fight gang, fight leg. Yeah, right. This, this bridge force. This idea of right. This idea that you, you just don't. At least I, in my experience, didn't really get that in in Sunimtao level. You know, it's at a higher level of understanding that that really plays in. You can practice it at a lower level. You can think you're getting it. But when you start doing Buji and you start understanding energy a little bit differently and, uh, and the long pole and the, 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 uh, the transference of power to, to the tip of the weapon, then when you start throwing a punch and you can feel the, the weight of the punch as if it's the long pole, it just feels a little different to you. So that if, if you have two people standing next to each other and one is truly, say, long pole level and one's just doing, uh, is at student that level for, say, three or four months, their choreography may be exactly the same. And to an outsider, when he looks at the form, to an outsider, he may say, well, they're doing the same exact thing. But right. Alex, I'm sure, can look at two of his students or Alex could come down and look at one of my students and probably just guess pretty accurately what level they're at just by the by their energy and energy and structure and the way they do Sunim Tao. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that's uh I think that's where you have it. I don't know 
where else you want to, oh well, what's the other thing you want to say um oh, how the form may if if the form has changed at all at least in your lineage which i think we might know the answer to that okay so moyat is was big on doing things i'm going to use the word classically and he was big on he professed to not change anything that he learned from his sifu to the point where uh, many of his students learned the long pole form with a chopstick because that's how he learned the long pole form from Yip Man. You know, he learned it with a, with a chopstick over, uh, you know, over tea. Yeah, right. dim sum. So, and, and he was, he loved that idea so much that he transferred it, you know, to his students who, um, you know, I, that's how I learned it. From 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 my seafood. I mean, literally at my kitchen table, you know, with a pencil. And then, <laughs> and then we went in my living room, picked up the long pole, and nearly broke my TV. But um, <laughs> you know, it's um, he was very uh, traditional, classical, uh, very loyal to the way um, he learned it from his teacher. Now he did say that there was uh, I don't want to screw this up, but there's three reasons to add something. There's three reasons something's in a form. It's, it's for the system, it's for the form, or it's for you. So you do something in the form. Are you doing it for the system? Is it part of the Wing Chun system? Are you doing it because that's the emphasis for that form or that section of the form? Or is it something you added because you feel it's, it's important to you? If it's something you added because you feel it's important to you, you should do that. But when you pass on the form to people that you, or you teach, you would leave that out. That you may say, "Oh, this is what I do," but it's not part of the it's not part of the Wing Chun system as I learned it. Right. You know that's so that's how I was taught in the in the Moya family that um, we do things exactly the way Moya learned it from from Yip Man. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. I mean, I think it. A very similar take on that. I mean, as the student progresses through the system, their understanding deepens. And of course, that's going to change everything from their footwork, the way they punch, the way they move, their forms. Everything is going to kind of have an upgrade as their um, self-knowledge increases. It's almost like when they just learn the Siunam Tao form, they just have kind of an outline or a sketch of something they can barely make out. But when they learn the Chum cue, that sketch gets a little bit of color and gets a little bit of detail. And the Buji even more so. And then as they go through the system, that original Siunam Tao drawing starts to get filled in a lot more because they have the other pieces that have kind of filled in what they were missing. And um, like everything else, it's a process. It's not possible to fully grasp the Siunam Tao form before you move to Chum Kyu, you know? Right, absolutely. So uh, that's why um, it, it has to be done in this very gradual kind of way. And it has to be seen as Kung Fu and not as a program or like you, you did semester, you did 101 and now you 201 means you have mastered everything in 101. It's not like that at all. Um, it, it really it's, it's a matter of improving the entire thing over time. So uh, definitely as the students get better, their, their student is going to look different. I can tell by looking at somebody what level they are. And I can also tell how much they actually train in terms of like, whether they really, you know, you have some people, they just like to fight and they don't really pay attention to their forms, but I can see that the mm -hmm. lack of care and attention in their Siunam Tao form still comes out when they fight. Just use aggression. 
because they are too careless to actually pay attention to the form. So it, the, it, it never lies. You, the Siunam Tao can tell you everything you need to know about someone's current level. It's a very, very fair assessment. Um, in terms of the change over time, I mean, Grandmaster Yip Man certainly changed the Siunam Tao form quite a bit from the time he started teaching. And that's evidence in how the early period students do it, the mid-period students do it, and the latter period students do it. Um, and... I think that he saw it as a somewhat flexible thing. Of course, generally his students are probably going to try to do it exactly the way he showed it at the time they learned it. Sure. All right. Which doesn't mean that it was necessarily that way all the time. Um, and even most famously, you know, Wong Song Leung had some issue in the, uh, in the six set with the Tan and the Jum and the Guat, you know, he had gotten kicked. So then they added another Guatso or whatever with Yip Man's uh, approval or something. So it seemed that Yip Man himself was, was pretty flexible in terms of like whether people would actually change things or not. Um, provided, I suppose, that it, it, it was orthodox, legit Wing Chun conceptually and technically, right? So, um, you know, uh, Certainly, Sifu Lang Ting made some changes in the late 70s, early 80s. In the sixth set, he added a high Lao Tso movement because they were fighting in Europe. They were fighting a lot of karate guys and kickboxers. So he modified the, the Guatso turning into a Tan. So he modified it to a Lao Tso movement. So the students would have a better technique to fight against the high roundhouse kick, which was very prevalent at that time. Mm. Um, and so, but other than that, there weren't really a whole lot of modifications. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it's pretty much it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all I gotta say about that. That's all I gotta say about. It. I like that um, you know, when I was uh, learning on the my Sifu Tom, we would learn if I learned Sunum Tao, and then eventually I started learning Chumkyu. He said to me like it wasn't now I gave up on Sunum Tao and just do Chumkyu. It was, I have to sit there and say, okay, so now how does what I'm experiencing in Chamkyu tweak what I was doing in Sinumdao? So that it's not like, okay, you have, as you said, um, role 101, 102, whatever. It's, it's, it's kind of like adding more clay to a, a statue. It's like you have, you have this... Uh, this um, finite piece of information and now we're going to add some more information and it kind of changes everything it doesn't just add more information and leave the first part static it takes it gives you some more tweaks and lessons and and, and ideas that will affect what you learned in the first form the first form doesn't maybe not change does the choreography doesn't change but how you look at the choreography changes sure you know, it's like it's like anything in life. If you have a problem and you you do something that makes you feel better, the problem didn't go away. Just the way you look at that problem goes away. And so if in, you have these lessons in, in, in the first form, when you learn the second, third, and fourth, and whatever forms going forward, it doesn't doesn't uh, do away with what you learned in, in the first form. It just makes you look at the first form differently. You know, and, and in fact, it looks it makes you. I, I don't know if Alex, you experienced the same thing. When I learned the later forms, it made me respect the first form more. Sure. Like, oh yeah, that that idea was all the way back there. Right. <laughs> and I didn't do it. Didn't dawn on me. You know, and and I and sure as hell, you see if I didn't tell you, it was you know, it was like you didn't learn it till the end of Chunkyu, 
oh, maybe it's this. And then you go back and you look at the first form and say, you know what, son of a bitch, that was right there. <laughs> and I never saw that before. So Does now when... Yeah. I'm sorry. So, but they said now when you're doing that first form, you're doing it with the thought process of what you already learned in a later form. And it, it, it enhances your learning. It, it enhances what you're doing. Yeah, and it's also a great argument for the fact that although the Siunam Tal form is perhaps the most fundamental and most basic or most beginner, but when they were creating Wing Chun, it was probably the last one they developed. Because if you think about it, they have to know the entire system hmm. and know what the most elemental pieces are of the entire system to put them into the learning progression first. Right, uh, excellent so, point. You see what I mean? Like a lot of people would assume that the forms were created necessarily in the order that they're taught. But in order for them to really understand the essence of the entire system, they would have to have the system first, reverse engineer it to its most basic elements, and then figure out what that was. So there's a strong argument that the Siunam Tao form may in fact have been developed last of all the forms. I mean, it's at least an interesting thought experiment. Absolutely. I was that, that's actually really good. I gotta think about that. Mind blowing moment of the day. Think about that. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that pretty much wraps it up for tonight. What do you say? Oh yeah, no, that was that was pretty good. And by the way, folks, I think that's the best fucking podcast you ever had. So <laughs> <laughs> they need to all pay us a red packet for private lesson fees. Outstanding. For, for what we gave yeah. out today. That's so the so the next episode we're gonna then tackle the topic of chum cue. Am I correct? Correct. Beautiful. I better go, so you I better go buy a book on it or something. <laughs> My book's not ready yet. You could have to buy another one. <laughs> we're actually uh, we're actually designing the Chumkey book right now. My Sunum Tell book's out already. Uh, but the Chumkey book, we were, I was in the trenches, worked on it for like four hours yesterday. So I'm very excited about it. Um, and then hopefully, if you if our technical support can get this at the end of the podcast, we will play the Kung Fu Genius. If not, we will just figure out a way to do it on the next episode. <laughs> Otherwise, you guys can go to SoundCloud.com, type in Kess the MC or Kung Fu Genius and listen to it. And um, other than that, um, look out for the podcast uh, Addicted to Wing Chun and check me out, see Alex. Trichter.com. Check out Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook. Like us, share it, share the episode, let people know about it, and uh, keep the conversation going. Send in what you guys want us to talk about. Of course, after we do the topics, we already plan to talk about anyway. Uh, so <laughs> that might be fourth season by the time we get to it. Uh, but keep that stuff coming in. It's super helpful, and we love the feedback from you guys. Yeah, well, now that you know, then you, now that you know how we're going to kind of tackle these form uh, podcasts, you see how we handled uh, Silum Tao. Maybe you can, if you have any um, questions regarding Chumku, send them in this yeah. week, and we could, you know, add them on to the podcast and um, and, and and help some people out. Because if you have a question. Maybe other people have the same question, you know? Absolutely. I just want to have a quick shout-out for you guys who follow me on Twitter. Uh, one of our podcast listeners is on Twitter, Juan Carlos Shannon. He tweeted me out a little bit today. Just want to say shout-out to him for uh, all the support of Dudes of Kung Fu and uh, and uh, help and plug it on uh, Twitter. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Juan Carlos Shannon, for that. From Puerto Rico. Fans cool, in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Outstanding. Very thank cool. You, man. Very cool. All right. All right, brother. That was great, man. I will see everybody next week. See you next week. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And every day, I practice martial arts. <laughs>
Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Eight slash knives split ya. Rip ya. My long pole is cold, foe when I hit ya. I give way to low, explode when I get ya. And still find time to feed my children. Wife on my side, family building. Y'all school sweeter than twink. Feeling. We ain't hard to find, come see me till then Word is, I'm a kung fu genius Practice all day like a genius Dedicated my life like a genius Caught like, taught like, walk like a genius Word is, I'm a kung fu genius Practice all day like a genius Dedicated my life like a genius Caught like, taught like, walk like a genius My father rented a video for me to watch at home While I was recuperating And it was Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee And I saw this movie For a small fee, but do you have the will and the strength to proceed? It's a mustard seed. A little idea will train, I'll explain it, it'll all come clear. As time flies, you'll sharpen your spear. As you rise, you conquer your fear. Got a few books you could read, I'm a writer. Here's a skill drill, get your technique tighter. Close the gap with plum flower, inch punch power. Indoor pot, fuck your collar. Respect my scholar, give me no hassle. First American seafood out the castle. And I've been doing this for 22 years. We bout a yip man, his spirit's in here. Word is, I'm a kung fu genius. Practice all day like a genius. Dedicated my life like a genius. Caught like, taught like, walk like a genius. Word is, I'm a kung fu genius. Practice all day like a genius. Dedicated my life like a genius. Caught like, taught like, walk like a genius. Well, when you teach with your heart, when you do something you really enjoy,